Hey, Peter. Hey. I'm looking for a new piano. I'm thinking maybe something like this. That's actually not that bad, but I was thinking more like this. Yeah, that is better. I'm Peter Martin. Sorry. You're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Music commentary, conversation, commiseration, and advice coming at you. Coming at you today, sponsored by Open Studio Jazz.com. Go to OpenStudioJazz.com <laughs> for Com all of your for communist. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> no it really it doesn't. <laughs> for company. For all of your no, what does com stand for? Communications? Company. Company. Company? Yeah. Dot company? Dot company. Dot organization. Dot commercial. I think it's actually dot, it's dot commercial. Dot commercial. That makes yeah. sense, actually. Yeah. Okay. Let's ask ChatGPT. Ask <laughs> Al Gore, who invented the internet. He did. He did. Um, yeah, go to Open Studio. We're going to tell you a little bit more some of the exciting things happening at the end of this. But this is our our our, uh, our main and sole, our Unicorda sponsor, as we like to call it. And we're really proud and excited by the community. The teachers are good, too. Is that Unicorda or Duecorda? This is a... Triple A chord. Triple A chord. Dopio. Um, but go to openstudiojazz.com and check out everything from Ron Carter to Adam Manis oh, coming so at you. What are we talking about today on the well, pod? Though? We're, welcome to the pod. First of all, we've got a bunch of new. I know I'm always saying that, but we're constantly growing. That's not true. Sometimes we plateau. But producer Caleb has been telling us lately we've been uh, growing. Growing to love us. Folks have been growing to love us. Didn't they already, though? Come on. Well, though, but more people are growing to love us. And um, the idea is that we welcome in everybody to the pod here. We're also a YouTube channel, so check us out on the YouTube. Leave us a uh, comment there, a subscribe, all that stuff. That doesn't matter, because today we're talking about pianos. Tell me about the piano you're playing right now. So this is, the, this is the keyscape. Because you're very proud of it. Wing upright mono piano. <laughs> Which sounds like poopy, sound poopy, poopy. It doesn't poopy. sound very good. It does sound. It sounds like a poop emoji. But we, we, you know, we've been looking at. You make it bit. sound good though. Well, it's, I do my best. But we've been looking at possibly a new piano. Yes. Here at Open Studio, an additional, additional an additional piano. piano. To we have the lovely Bosendorfer in there. Yes. And we were looking at a Steinway B that we might bring in because yeah, it's we're hoping friggin' gorgeous. This That's Steinway right. B. And we just thought we could talk a little bit about maybe some of the big differences between the major piano brands, at least in our experience, and what you might look for in a piano. And we're going to present this kind of in a what bears are best, brown bear, grizzly bear, or yeah. polar bear. So this is going to be what piano is best. No, well, Answer, no? we're not going to do it <laughs> well, like that? I mean, it's a preference, though, isn't it? I yes. mean, everybody has their, their preference. What's it, better, a Story and Clark upright? Mm -hmm. Or a beautiful brand new Steinway D from from the Hamburg factory. Well, it depends. Well, Actually, it, it doesn't. It doesn't depend in that case. No, obviously. But we're going to be obviously. throwing out some pianos that are more in the same kind of general category. I think more personal preference. All great pianos, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, let's start first with like. Actually, let's start with our preferred pianos because it doesn't have to be the best. But if I'm 
going to like walk into a theater for the first time for a gig. Yes. And I see a Steinway B on stage. I see with my little eye. I'm a little excited. Spy. I'm a little relieved. I'm a little bit, I'm like, okay. Yep. Now it depends. It could be a crappy Steinway that's in bad shape and is beat up and hasn't right. been taken care of. But if it's a nice place that is somewhat, you know, well taken care of, you can kind of assume maybe, oh, maybe that's going to be a good Steinway. Yeah. And then if it is a decent Steinway, even a decent Steinway on a, at a theater stage, yeah. like, okay, this is going to be a really lovely evening. Steinways are known for their, I mean, obviously the brand name. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the most recognizable brand name um, of, I mean, it's the Cadillac of, of piano names, right? Yeah. Uh, but like the way we used to talk about Cadillac. Um, but I think it's also they're known for their concert size pianos, which is traditionally your seven foot or your nine foot. Right. Um, there's been some other ones, you know, but that's that that's uh, the B, yep. which is the seven foot, and the D, which is the nine foot, and they're actually both a little bit smaller than that. But that's what they're commonly referred to. And those are probably both the most recorded, especially in jazz, the most right. recorded pianos that you might hear. Especially the B is yeah. very good for a studio size. It's, it's really good. Yeah. And I mean, both, neither one of those instruments is really home-sized, I would say. I did have a B for a while on loan in, in our house, and it was just, I, I couldn't even open it up because I, we live in not a teeny, the living room wasn't teeny, but it definitely was. They're loud, man. They're loud. There's a lot of power. They're meant for the concert hall. They're considered yeah. concert grands at that size. Well, the B we were looking at last week was in someone's home, in like their yeah. little music studio. This is a, a piano teacher yeah. who has this B. And it was too loud in that it room. It was too loud. It was too much piano for it the room. It was too much piano. For sure. So, so that's another thing that you always, I think, want to think about before we even get down to breaking down the different brands is you got to get the right piano for the situation. Absolutely. This is not like getting a violin or a trumpet or something where you can move it around and play it outside. and do. It's going to sit in one place. Yep. It's going to live in one place. So you got to think about, is it a studio situation? Is it a home situation for most people? Or is it a home studio situation if you're you know, blessed with that kind of a setup, that's going to be a very specific kind of requirement. Do you want something that's going to be able to be a little bit more durable uh, in terms of like, is it being played heavy constantly, like a jazz club, for instance, every night, kind yep. of like performance situation where it's going to be played heavier than solo piano? Yeah, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. So just before we get in, even get into the other brands, um, but about the sizes. So yeah. like, you know, yeah, I think for a club, for me, the the seven foot, no matter what the brand is, yeah. is the right size. Because if you if you if you can have more than say seventy five or hundred people in a club, it's big enough that that's going to fill the room without you having to really push on reinforce it, it yeah. a ton. And then you get a really thin bass sound. Yeah, you know the chords sound kind of thin and tacky. A nice seven foot piano in a sort of medium sized club is yep. a right fit for a larger stage, like anything that can hold more than I would say like three or four hundred people. I yep. like a nine foot piano, man, yep. because it's the, for the same reasons. Yep. Like especially if it's a if it's like a theater situation where there's very high ceilings and it's a big room, having that big board yeah. really helps so that you're not pushing. Yeah. You know that you can really play in a way that is dynamically satisfying to you and the audience and that you still get a nice big tone and sound. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that there's probably some exceptions for of course. smaller concert halls if the sound is really good, like if there's a great resonance. Yep. Older there. concert halls, yeah. for sure. And we talk about yeah. you know the Sheldon concert hall around the corner from here. They've always had bees in there yep. that work really well, even That's though true. it's it's not a team. I mean, it's like a seven hundred and fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's it, yeah. You have to. It, I think the size of the stage matters too. That's true. Because you don't want to have 
just physically sometimes I find like a nine foot Steinway or like a Bosendorf or a Fazioli, which actually make instruments larger. Their their largest concert ten concert. twelve feet or yeah. something. Yeah, um, you don't want to take up so much of the stage where. It could get in the way of sort of the connection and intimacy That's between true. the players sometimes, even if the hall can accommodate that much. Sound. That's true. A more intimate hall with a smaller stage would be as perfect. That's true. Yeah. I, I was, I guess, I was thinking more of like the sort of modern university hall. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Enormous stage that can be used for plays and stuff and orchestras. Even. But I find too sometimes I was in situations that I mean years ago when I was playing with the jazz at Lincoln Center. Here we go. Orchestra. Ever heard of that? But like, it was almost always these larger halls, but not always huge halls but you know um but they'd always have a nine foot piano in there which was great but with a big band sometimes you're physically separated it's like harder to like orient the piano in a way that that you're not, you don't have that connection with the rhythm section sometimes yeah unless you go you know oscar peterson or ahmad jamal trio style where your back is kind of there but i don't know sometimes the nine foot can physically separate you from it's too big in a way yeah, yeah. if it's a, yeah depending on the situation yeah yeah, well, what about our home setup? So, again, I think it depends on the room. I think for a larger living room, you could get away with a seven-foot piano. Yeah. Like for a big, like if you have a big home with a big living room. Especially some high, high ceilings. High ceilings. Yeah. You get a seven-foot piano there. Like you're not going to want to go full stick on it all the time probably. Yeah. And but, you're probably going to have to do some like either thick draperies or rugs or yeah. something and get your corners like some sound um, absorption so you don't get the weird corners bouncing, you know, the sound bouncing back from the corners in a weird way. Is you really have to try it out first, though, to see what's going to work. Maybe a medium-sized living room in sort of an older home or like a New York brownstone-style living room. Yeah. Like, I honestly, I don't think, for me personally, I've never heard a grand that's under five foot nine that really? sounds good. I know. I agree. Like, I, I won't go under six foot, really. I, if you really want some, e even if it's a smaller room, like even if you have it in a large bedroom or something yeah six foot should be the minimum for me like i've never heard a five foot three five foot five five foot seven piano that sounds decent right and i was just trying to look here i'd rather get a, a large upright before that honestly well you know what so at home now i have a, a steinway s mm -hmm. and i was just thinking this was bigger this is actually five foot one what i didn't i don't i don't know if that's accurate that can't be and i like this that. is your brown steinway yeah no that's what it says steinway S grand piano length five foot one. I mean, they probably call it five six or five four because you know they're always adding know, a little man. bit. Well, I is mean, really five foot. Uh, this is not Chat GPT. This is the uh, yeah. Five I, got, I got a Chat GPT. One hundred fifty five centimeters. It's too short. It is, but you know what? For the room, I, have you seen the room? You I have it in a very it's small a very, room. It's actually yeah. great. And even that piano, I have to keep the lid down most of the time because I don't have great sound absorbing in there. Yeah. Um, but that's a solid, solid little piano. I mean, Steinways. Although that's what we started saying, they're known for their concert grands. They make some excellent smaller pianos as well, even mm -hmm. uprights. I don't think they're making them anymore, but I played some older Steinway uprights that are really nice. I think an upright in the smaller room can be great. You know, I don't actually love most spinet uprights. I like my yeah. uprights a little bit taller yeah. as well. I have a Yamaha, or no, I have a Baldwin. Sorry, uh, I love a Yamaha, the studio apartment Yamaha with the damper pedal in the middle that yep. brings down the felt, but. Uh, yeah. I like I like my my uprights like my power forwards in the NBA tall and strong and effective. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You want it to you want, again you want a big soundboard so that you can have some control over the tone. And yeah. the upright what's great about that is it can't be too big of a soundboard because it's unless it's like a big upright grand. Well, but like I remember having this like 54 inch. Yeah. Is that kind of the tall like a Young Chang actually back in the 90s in New Orleans an upright. That thing was good. That was a strong piano. Yeah, man. But if you think about those big uprights they're 
the soundboard and the spacing on them and the scaling of them is very similar to a baby grand. When I first, Sometimes even bigger. When I first started playing with the trio at this place, Thurman's here yep. in St. Louis, uh, Joe Jackson from Jackson Pianos put a, like an ancient Steinway upright yeah. that was huge. Oh, I remember that And one. like a tank. It was so heavy. Didn't I break a hammer on you there? You did break a hammer was, on it. It yeah. sounded amazing, though. Yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, it sounded like an upright, but it sounded, I mean... <laughs> Towards the end, it, it, yeah. it sounded more like this, but yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was a great piano. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk more about brands because you know okay. here in the studio we use a Bosendorfer, and honestly, this is the most time I've spent with the Bosendorfer. Yes. I've seen them on gigs, of course, but they're not common here in America. No, no. I mean, they're around and people know them, and you can you can certainly buy them. Um, I love them. I I I I can't even say I prefer. I mean, Steinway. I'm a Steinway artist. I love Steinways. That's that's my jam. That's what I have at home. But Bosendorfer is a very different kind of instrument it and when is, you man. look at it and understand how it's constructed it's not you know a lot of the yamaha um concert grands i i, I don't I, I should know this better but I, I i feel like well they definitely feel like and look like they're modeled closer after a steinway mm-hmm. you know bosendorfer is not copying a steinway it's I its mean, own thing it's its own thing and i love that it's got its own personality it's it not nice. for everybody it's hard to it, for me it's hard to play because i don't think i have a reference for it yeah the re- you have to kind of just put yourself in another place but i look at it like just as a different like you drive a cadillac a yeah. really well you know cadillac and then you go to a mercedes it's very different they're both maybe luxury car i don't know what i'm talking about because i'm not yeah are they luxury i guess i mean i don't cadillac. Like it's the Cadillac of, of Cadillacs in the modern era, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But maybe like BMW to Audi. I don't know. Like like they they can be very different. Yeah, it's a very it's a whole different feel. Point. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, Bosendorfer. I mean, you talk about your three really premium priced and quality handmade instruments: Bosendorfer, Steinway, and Fazioli. Which I wouldn't say is mass market, but it is no. available everywhere now. You can get one. You can you get a, one. You got enough bread. Yeah, you're going to pay a little more. I'll say about our Bozy here. Like, so I don't. And, and sorry, and I should say Yamaha too, because they're larger grands that are handmade or in, well, in that same category. Well, I want to talk about Yamaha because that's probably the piano, uh, other than Steinway, we've all had the most experience yes. with, probably yeah. around the world. Yep. But so the Bosendorfer is interesting because when I hear you play the one that we have, and like I said, this is really the only one that I've spent significant time with, so I don't yep. feel like I have a real feel for the brand at all. Yeah. But when I hear you play it, I love it. And then when I try to play it, I'm like, I can't play this freaking thing. Like, I can't get around on it in a way that I'm comfortable. It feels, I feel somehow exposed on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels very immediate somehow in a way that, like, Steinway gives me this, like, I can hide a little bit. I can Mm. cushion my way through. You know what I mean? Like, not, not hide, but like, the Bosendorfer, there's no. There's the action it's is a little so more, fast. Yeah, the action's fast and different. Like it's and from a Steinway action and from a Yamaha and it's the sound. I mean, I always think like don't underestimate the sound and how we respond to that both as you're evaluating an instrument and this really goes beyond brand because you could be like okay so they're saying Steinways are the best and then you, you there's a lot of flat Steinways the yep. ones that are not set up correctly even from the factory I mean it's a big shout out to Steinway but sometimes or when they're being transported if, if you don't have a local technician that really gets the regulation right um, before it, or really after it comes into your home that's a big thing you know for the new, more nuanced player I want to talk about that a little bit but go ahead yeah but I mean it's just to say that like how your visceral reaction to the sound of the instrument beyond just kind of you know adjustments that need to be made like you've got to sit and play the piano and be like moved by it and you know you might not be comfortable with it you might not it might be like wow this action is really stiff a lot of that stuff can be adjusted but if the sound 
you don't love the sound, something about the soul of the sound. Well, this is what I was. That's going to be hard to change. So one of the things with the Steinway that we just looked at, and we we actually looked at this piano maybe four years ago. Yeah. And we didn't get it then, but we're and then a pandemic happens. But <laughs> but we're looking at it again, and I was. Did I had, the piano get COVID? Is that what you're saying? No, we, no, no. We were afraid to touch it. <laughs> I had memories of the piano that were incredibly fond yes. from our visit out there four years ago. Yeah. And it's because the soul of the piano, the sound of it, the soundboard itself is had it's such a good, strong vibe. I and mean, we just tested it out there with Cheryl. The decay of oh the sound was like massive. Like well, this is puts it to shame. Yeah. Like it's horrible. But it was so round and deep and big, the sound. It was so good. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, if you have a piano, what are some things that you're looking for because you're right. Like the one thing that really can't be adjusted from the instrument is that soundboard. Like you right. can't, I mean, I'm sure there are things you can do to yeah. like, you know, make it somewhat better, but the soul of the piano, the tone of it is based on the piece of wood that is resonating in there. Right. And that is kind of, you know, set. There's not a lot you can do for very cheaply besides just get a whole new piano. Right. And I think, you know, my understanding is that that's one of the most temperamental you know to weather to humidity yeah you know even more so than everyone's always worrying about the temperature it's like the humidity because that's a huge chunk of wood yep and just like a tree or any 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 other kind of of that type of wood it's susceptible to it's a very dense piece of wood as well yeah with with humidity and you don't want it to be changing a lot so i think there are things that can be out of whack that would keep you from like being able to identify the real true sound of the instrument. So I don't, we don't want to make it like, oh, no matter what's happening. I mean, like if the regulation is so often strings are popped and everything, you're not going to be able to get to the soul of the instrument. Anything, any of that stuff can be repaired. I think that's what you're kind of referencing. Well, yeah, so Whereas we, the soundboard, it can be replaced. That's well, the, pretty much all you can do. Yeah, the one, this Steinway B that we were looking at, the sound, the soul of it, the sound of it was so intense and beautiful, but it was, it has some irregularities in the action. Yeah. There was some unevenness in the dampers. There was some un unevenness in the bass range of the keys yeah um and so but you know that's more yeah adjustments that we think could be taken care of right our piano it's not a new piano we're not looking at a new piano yeah, yeah it's not new our piano tech cheryl was like you know don't worry about that that's something that i'm going to spend a couple days with right making that whatever you want essentially but see a, most a, people don't do that and they don't like that's called regulation by the way right super exactly. important and super most people important. never do it most people never do it and you know for most people what they're doing with their piano they don't need to they just tune it once a year maybe right. Right. And that's it. Yeah. But, and most people aren't going to necessarily appreciate or be able to tell the difference, which is fine. But before you go buy a new piano, go get it tuned and regulated by that's a right. really great piano tech. That's and, right. And you might have a new piano. Yeah. Yeah. So one more I want to talk about, Peter, is the Yamaha. Because yes. it's the most prolific piano. It's in like every other club and venue yeah. and theater. And they had to have made more pianos than anybody. I mean, it's Yamaha. They've made more motorcycles and yeah. leaf blowers and pianos. They make ramen noodles. The Yamaha Corporation. I'm not kidding. It's insane, man. Yeah. But they make a... Drums. They make a damn trumpets. fine piano. They make an incredible piano. Like there are... Uh, the, another one is if I show up at a club and I see a seven foot Yamaha, I'm like, okay, like this is going to be yeah. There's okay. a standard that that's going to, yeah. and, and it can really, I really believe, well, I know I've played some, ya some Yamahas. I'm trying to think like seven foots. I don't know, but for sure the nine foots, which is, there's not a lot of them. Um, and for a long time, and they may still be, they're pretty much in the same price range of a Steinway and Bosendorfer. That the nine foot handmade, I forget the name of it, but it's the handmade uh, concert. It's a beautiful piano. piano. It's a beautiful piano. Every bit on the level and a competitor to these 
you know, to the top brands. Um, but the mass produced the C7s? Yeah. No, they're really, they're incredible. They're consistent. Consistent. You know, a lot of, you know, technicians and players will say that for certain studio situations, the way they record is actually superior to anything. Yeah. You know, they're more stable. They've been known to be more stable in terms of um, tuning and things like that. So I think that, yeah, I mean, I've had many happy times with Yamaha. I got a chance to, to open for... Um, well, no, this was crazy. The first time I really met Chick Corea back in the mid-90s when I was playing with Joshua Redmond, he was playing solo piano on this tour for like a week in Italy, and we he opened for us. We were really opening for him, but he played, he was, Chick Corea's like, I'm going to play first because you guys are a whole band. It doesn't make sense. And we, that's just the way he was. But I got to hang with him, have dinner with him almost every night, and play on this Yamaha, beautiful nine-foot-ish concert grand with one of Yamaha's top Japanese technicians that, that was traveling fun. with them and to each of the venues that are bringing the piano. And they'd have another piano, and Chick was just like, Peter, if you want to play this, you're welcome to it. And I was like, oh, I'd be honored, of course. Yeah. And so I played on this piano each, each night, set up. Now, this is a little bit of an unrealistic thing. You've got one of the best technicians in the world. Yeah. Setting up one of the best pianos for one of the best pianists. Treat moving yourself, it around. Treat yourself. Yeah. You know? And so that's not to say that, like, basically you're never going to play a Yamaha that's it's set up as well as that. That's so great, though. But, but that's why Chick sounds so good, man. That's why we were talking no, about. No, well, hold on. He sounds great. Wait, no, what do you say? But it's, <laughs> no, he sounds great anyway, but it's the details like that. It's why Keith Jarrett also traveled around with a piano. That's so you're why. saying if they didn't have a great piano, they wouldn't sound so good. No, I'm saying that even though they sound amazing on anything, they still require this yeah. like, top-level instrument because they know it that. It pushes it over there. Like, how can, how can chick sound that much better at this point right right you have to even like up your your yeah. tools that you're using so. and then later i got a chance to play well the first time i played a fazioli was in 1994 that's a great so fazioli is an italian maker that was is really a bespoke like the opposite of yamaha yeah yeah let me talk about matt although they're making more than they've ever had and i want to say did he say they were making 500 or 100 a year it was kind of i think it was maybe 100 this is a couple of that would years be a ago lot when I got them. to meet pa Paolo Fazioli. I got, he came to a gig we were doing because we were kind of like, we're in Cremona, Italy, which is like right up the road from where his factory is in northern So for those Italy. who don't know what Fazioli's are and the reputation, why don't you tell them? Yeah. Well, Fazioli's are this like just t tiny maker that got this huge kind of reputation very quickly because the pianos are amazing. They have just, they're incredible sounding. They feel like like a Fazio. That's the first piano I ever played where I was like, I can do things on this piano. I can can't do on any other piano. Like technically, I could execute things. Like they, it's that well set. I mean, the sound is amazing. You can hear as a listener, but there's also something that's just incredible. So apparently, the first time Herbie Hancock played it, he was like, "Wow, I love this. I want to buy one." And um, or he was just like, I want one. And the Fazioli was such a small company, they couldn't even give him one. He's like, no, 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 I want to buy one. He bought one. And then that certainly put them on the map. But even before that, I remember in 1994 playing on a Fazioli at the Umbria Jazz Festival in Perugia. And Paolo Fazioli was there. He was a lot younger. And he'd been making pianos. It was known, but I don't think it was really known outside of Italy. And he was just placing them. He had a relationship with the folks at the festival. But now they're all around the world. You can you can buy them anywhere. They're super expensive, more than Yamaha. I mean, uh, more than Yamaha's, more than Steinway's, more than Bosendorfer's. They're like the most expensive pianos, but they're just amazing. And they're popping up at some really good concert halls. I think Juilliard has a couple now. Lincoln Center has at least one. So they're not only around, but they're making a little bit of inroads because great classical artists, great jazz artists, Herbie Hancock being, of course, the most prominent um, is 
really put them on the map. And I mean, look, you go back to 94, what is that, 30 years? You know, I mean, like they've, it's not an overnight sensation at all, but those are just incredible pianos. I've only got Why to play. Why are we getting one of those in here? We should be getting Let's one of that. those in there. Yeah. Uh, I've only played one uh, pianist, great pianist here, classical pianist Peter Henderson owns one. Yes. I think a six foot one. That's the only one I, I'm sure there's other ones around St. Louis, but that's the only one I know is in a home here at Dude, least. Dude, it sounds so amazing. Talk yeah. about a great home piano. Yeah. It's uh, unbelievable. We should yeah. go do an episode from Peter's house. Yeah. And just play the Fazioli. <laughs> but you say, Pete, get out. That's right. Give us your Fazioli. Well, this is really fun, man. Yeah. You know, this is like, pianists are not known for gear talk. Because, no. you know, we're talking about $120,000 to $400,000 instruments <laughs> exactly. here. Exactly. So it's and we tough. Need, we'll, we'll do keyboards on a, a future episode. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not like a... I, I have some keyboards, but I'm not like a huge gearhead with yeah. keyboards. Like, they're... There are guys who are like it would be fun to talk about. I do. I Got love Nord. I love the synth. I have this Nord. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of mad about it. You want to know what Chat GPT says with the top piano companies? Hit me. Number one, Steinway and Sons. Yep. Number two, Yamaha. Yep. Number three, Kawhi, which we didn't mention. Well, I've had <laughs> hit or miss experiences with Kawhi. Mason and Hamlet is not on here, but that's that's a, a people, piano that I used to really like. People who Glenn love Gould loved them. People who like Mason and Hamlin's love Mason and Hamlin's. Yeah, that's a classic. Kawhi, I've had some amazing experiences on a Kawhi, and I've had some, I don't know if it was consistent for a while. For you know? Baldwin. Baldwin, I've had some horrible experiences on. Because <laughs> they're so old of, now. They are old, They yeah. stopped making them years ago. Like They used to make a great teeny spin. I thought they made the best spinet. The Acrosonic, man. The Acrosonic. Baldwin Acrosonic is, a, by the way, Go buy yourself a Baldwin Acrosonic. If you for have a hundred bucks, <laughs> for like yeah, for like a thousand bucks, you can get this beautiful, soulful little piano, usually made in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, and put it on. If you have a free wall, go get a Baldwin Acrosonic, paint it some cool colors. I mean, how many then, Baldwin Acrosonics over the years have dude, you? They're so put much onto the fun. back of a pickup truck and moved from somewhere. Oh my god, just yeah. it, they're so much fun. Yeah. They sound great and they're fun to play. Number five, Bolzendorfer. Number six, Fazioli. I don't think this is in order of certainly not price, but that's Chat GPT throwing that's something out there. GPT. All right, before we go, I have yes. a Chat GPT for you. You, you ready? Yeah. Uh, Peter Martin is a jazz pianist composer. Wait, what did you ask it? I asked it. I just put in Peter Martin pianist, and it says, I'm familiar with the name Peter Martin as a jazz pianist, composer, and educator. He was born on August 30th, nope. 1970. Nope. <laughs> in St. Louis, Missouri. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I was 1970 is correct, but the rest, and August, actually. And began, and what was And not in St. Louis, 17th. 17th. And began playing the piano at a young age. He studied at the Juilliard School and has since performed with many renowned jazz musicians, such as Chris Bodie. Ugh. No, Wh- it said jazz musicians. Wynton Marsalis. Ooh. Yes. And Diane Reeves. Peter Martin has released several albums as a band leader, including Something Unexpected. That's correct. And In the PM. Yes. He's also known for his work as a signed man on many recordings, including those by Joshua Redman. Yes. And Betty Carter. Yes. No, I never recorded with her. I didn't Betty think Carter. you recorded with her. I played with her, with her but... Besides his performing career, Peter Martin is also an educator, having served on the faculty of the Juilliard School. Not true. <laughs> and the Jazz Studies Program at Washington University in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not true. There is no jazz depart- studies department. He has also conducted numerous... You know what's funny about that? But Washington University is about a half a mile from my house. I know. So Chad GPT is kind of weird. <laughs> Overall, Peter Martin is a respected figure in the jazz world known for his virtuosity, creativity, and dedication to nope. the art form. Nope. I would say all and that's yet. true. Yeah. Dedication, yes. <laughs> uh, and he's also the CEO of Open Studio, which is the sponsor of this podcast. If you want to yes. go on a deeper dive of anything we're talking about here, uh, go to openstudiojazz.com. Peter... You know, we got a new course from Chris Parks in the works. Chris Parks has been a game changer. If you don't know Chris Parks' YouTube channel, Things I Learned from Barry Harris, just stop listening to this. Go check out that YouTube channel. It's all these beautiful little 
theory nuggets. You know, Chris studied with Barry Harris for decades. Does he know Barry Harris? Did he know Barry Harris? Yeah, they were. I didn't know that. They were like. I'm making a joke. Yeah, no, the, the, it's his whole thing. Yeah. And it's really amazing. He's one of the greatest, uh, I think, educators of Barry's systems that there is. And we're so proud that he's here with us at Open Studio Pro. He teaches uh, five different classes now at Open Studio Pro, three in the afternoon and two in the evenings during yeah. the week. And it's... He's, he's one of our most beloved uh, They love uh, him over there. I yeah. get comments on my YouTube videos like, you uh, should be more like Chris Parks. <laughs> and like, I, I gotta should be me. I gotta be should me. He has a great video on our on Open Studio YouTube channel as well. He does. So, well, I just asked uh, ChatGPT, uh, what is the best online jazz education community? Okay. And it gave four. Oh. Of which number two is Open Studio. Open Studio offers a wide range of online jazz courses taught by top-notch jazz musicians, including Peter Martin, Christian McBride, and Gregory Hutchinson. Members have access to hundreds of video lessons. That's a lie. They thousands. have thousands. Yep. Uh, Play-along tracks. That is true. And other resources. Ultimately, the best online jazz education community for you will depend on your goals, learning style, and budget. It's a good idea to explore each of these options and others to find out the one that best fits your needs openstudiojazz.com and until next time you'll hear it <laughs> <laughs>